Michael Miza going against Connor McDavid. Exceptional player battle. Get crunched. That's a really good line, man. Well, that was a bad play. The physicality is really, like, noticeable. Bronzo <laughs> got dumped. Or, or do that. Okay. Nope. Don't do that. Physicality is going to be really important here. I love this scrappiness on this fourth line. It's awesome. Puck carrier on this line is crazy. <laughs> Dude, I'd do it. Making me some money. Brett says less than McDavid right now. <laughs> you got pounded. I'm just going to like laugh. I'm just, that's all. That's, I'm just going to laugh. That's it. No, not Rick Nash. Not Rick Nash. Anyone Rick Nash. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the O Show. Hello, welcome back. Thank you again for your listening. Uh, just as a brief reminder, I'm Riley Miller-Davis, and with me I have... Evan Lee here. Welcome back, guys, to the Real Housewives of Hockey. And I'm Stu Miller-Davis as well, and welcome back to the O Show. Uh, we're here at the uh, Christmas check-in point on the O Show series. So just before we get into that, I just want to say, having had to work on this for so long and having to hear the most recent NHL soundtrack, I just want to say how disappointing it is that they peaked at NHL 2004 and they have not gotten a soundtrack as good since. You got Codependent, SS Recognition, you got Clockwork, Punk Rock 101, The Quiet Things That No One, uh, that no one Ever uh, Sees, you got O'Ellen, you got Radio 2, like a whole fucking list of bangers. And it's just been a massive disappointment, sis. Every now and then, it's like, yeah, there's one good song. And then the rest of the time, I got to put it on mute. So, and hey, the soundtracks are so tiny, too. They make them so short. So if you play like an hour, it's like, yeah, okay, I've heard the whole thing. It's really disappointing. NHL Slapshot had a decent soundtrack. Yeah, it's, but I stand by where I said it peaked at. Agreed, I, I think. I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Right. None of that has to do with anything that, that, um, that we're going to be talking about moving forward, but... A small gripe, and this is a great place for me to not pay for therapy. So, Stu, you want to start off by explaining how the playoffs are going to work in this fun sim that we have going on? Sure. Uh, so they, the playoffs will work exactly like they do in the real OHL. Uh, so that means the top eight of each conference. Uh, division leaders will rank one and two. One plays eight, two plays seven, and there will be reseeding each round. and. The division winners will always be seeded one and two as, as far as they advance. So we thought that the best idea for this Christmas check-in would be we're going to go through uh, who are actually the top five and the actual bottom five. Um, compare them a little bit to what's going on with, um, like with what our predictions were. Explain a little bit why we think... A team's doing so well, or maybe not as well, but we'll go less into the not as well, because if you're just bad, you're, you're bad. Um, and then we'll also talk about some other fun player stories that are going on, all that coming up. So why don't, Evan, do you want to start us off with talking about the top five teams, and we'll go team by team here? Yeah, okay. So uh, starting off with the top team in our all-time OHL league, we had the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Um, so just a little bit uh, about this team. They currently have the best defense in the league with a 1.68 goals against average. And they're rocking a pristine penalty kill sitting at 90.3%. Um, they also boast the uh, best goal differential in the league with a plus 56. So I'll let you guys 
Um, yeah, so I wanted to mention something specific about their PK units. So they only utilize one of their top six forwards being Charlie Simmer. And this is a team with Gretzky, Ron Francis, you know. Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton. So why why is it doing so well when they're not utilizing these these all-time greats, some of the best in the league? It's like their elite depth really just showing through. Oh, also, because you, you did mention this to me originally, so kudos to you, Riley. Um, their third penalty kill unit is composed of, well, it's a four-man unit, but three out of four of the uh, players on that unit are actually defensemen. So weird configuration they have there, but one that seems to be working for them. And then do you want to tell us a bit about their home and away record, Evan? Yeah, of course. Um, so. Obviously, since they're the best team, the records are going to look great. And no exception here, they have the second best home record in the league at 11-2-0 and the best road record in the league sitting at 16-2-0. So what I think is really impressive about that is that the second best home record, when you can see they've mainly played on the road so far this year with, you know, 13 games at home and 18 on the road, and yet they're still the second best, which is really impressive. Stu, do you want to maybe tell us a bit why you think maybe those records are so good? Well, uh, a big reason why those records probably look so good uh, is they've got John Van Beesbrook going off. He has a 9.43 save percentage and a 1.59 GAA in 21 games. So when you're, your goalie's making that many saves and not allowing allowing less than two goals a game, then you're in pretty good position, especially when you've got uh, Wayne Gretzky, who is not, he's not playing like light to dominant. He's got 36 points in 31 games. He's got a league leading plus 47 giveaway take or takeaway to giveaway ratio, um, which probably still keeps him sort of in MVP conversation uh, because the points are low. Uh, but then also you've got. Uh, Paul Coffey tied for the most points for defensemen, goals for defensemen, game both game winning goals for defensemen, most power play goals for defensemen, most power play points. When you got a, a defenseman that's just going off like that, uh, unless you're the San Jose Sharks and you have nobody around him, uh, then you're going to be in a pretty good position. <laughs> Usually that's the case. I mean, who knows? Maybe Eric Carlson will say, uh, I will accept a trade to Edmonton and uh, we don't have to have that conversation anymore. But moving, uh, one question I had to, wanted to ask to you, Evan. So we noticed that, that John Van Beesbrook's uh, goals against is actually less than the team average, which means that his backup goaltender has not been as good. Now, he's going off. Now, if you're the coach, do you try to play him more than 21 games so far? Or are you saying... This amount of games is is what's working. We're gonna stick with it. I think uh, I think if you're the coach, uh, you gotta roll with what's working. I mean, clearly you're the best team, so um, roll with that and try to keep uh, you know the two goalies you have in a healthy rotation. So you you have two goalies good to go for the playoffs. You know that's what that's what I would think of doing, and just keep Van Breesbrook, uh, You know as Keeping that balance of uh, playing him enough, but also keep like not uh, playing him too much. So and they have th- the the Sioux have three goalies, correct? Because they have uh, Matt Murray and Robin Leonard as well. Uh, I don't think Leonard's even. I think Leonard's scratched. They're yep. they're not one of those teams that you you have a huge huge drop off from one to two. So it's interesting that 
they do they do see a bit of a drop off going mm-hmm. from one to two. And the last thing I wanted to mention is um, this is very important to me, very very special to me. Jumbo's over pointed game, which you know you gotta love to see. If you're not cheering for Jumbo, you're not cheering for Joy. Okay, so, hold on. I gotta I gotta mention this because you mentioned Jumbo, and thank <laughs> you, Stu, for pointing this out. Um, the legendary Super Bowl ad with uh, it was an Apple ad with uh, PK Subban and none other than uh, Jumbo Joe, Joe Thornton himself um, voted ad. So yeah, everyone loves loves themselves a bit of jumbo. So there you go. Yeah, on that on the note of that ad, it was so subtle. Like they don't really they're not playing hockey. They don't mention that they're hockey players. It's a very, very subtle ad. Um it it's surprising to me that they ran it, to be honest. Like obviously I loved it knowing both those players and being a gigantic Joe Thornton fan, which he'll sign for the playoffs. Just wait. Which uh, Evan and I had a whole discussion about how a team should make him the backup goalie just in the finals, just so that way he can get his name on the cup at least. That would be <laughs> awesome. Yes. Um, but if you weren't a hockey fan, or like even if you are a hockey fan, but not necessarily a hardcore one or a recent one, you probably wouldn't have even known they were hockey players. You would have been like, this ad's weird. But regardless, moving forward, Evan, tell us a bit about London. All right. Our second Easy, best. simple way. London's second ranked team or second best team in our OHL uh, all time league. Main thing that like makes them an elite team is that is the fact that they have elite special teams. I mean, elite. They have the best power of play in the league at 32.9%. That's killer, over 30% power of play. And they have the second best EK in the league. So just elite across the board on the special teams. And they have the second best goal differential in the league at a plus 37. Um, so that's just some of the things that makes this team just really, really great. They have also the third best road record, 13-2-1. And, one. and uh, Riley, I'll let you maybe uh, talk about, uh, you know, uh, Kaner on their team. Yeah, so they are a team that boasts Patrick Kane, who is going off, and I believe... Is he leading the league in points? He is, isn't he? Yes, that is correct. He's leading the league in points, but bad news for you London fans. He's injured. He's back. But it's only a five-game thing, so he should be back. London shouldn't see too much issue because actually, even without him, they were still winning. Their depth scoring is so strong. He's shooting 20% on 17 minutes and 10 seconds, and he's leading the league in points so he's doing all of this extremely efficiently because he's not playing high-end top line minute and his shooting percentage being above 20 percent is beautiful well and the, the the big story with uh with london is their uh their top six is just insanely talented um they've got almost everybody at point a game except Corey perry and uh matthew kachuk who are approaching it and t- Perry 24 points in 29 uh, games and Kachuk in 29 and 30. So that that top six is just is just the the horse that keeps the light, the London Knights going. Uh, some other little notes on their team. Uh, they've been playing Sam Gagne probably a little bit more than they should. Um, he's only played 10 games, but he's no points. Like you've got enough depth that if somebody's got no points in 10 games, just stop playing them. Which is funny um, because this is the team with the most amount of goals in the league, with 126, leading them to a 4.06 goals per game. They're scoring four in every game. And Gagne, 
is the guy bringing down that average. And they, they don't get much production uh, from their defense outside of uh, John Carlson, which isn't too too surprising when you look at it. Like, you were maybe hoping Adam Boquist could produce a little bit, but uh, John Carlson's the primary uh, point producer. Uh, the other John, who he's playing right beside, uh, John Erskine, uh, he is, he's kung fu fighting a lot. Kung fu. All the time. All yeah, the time. Yeah. Has the most fights in the league. So you, when you look at their forwards, you think, okay, the Kajuk should add a little bit of that, that bite. But you do have someone standing up for the Mitch Marner, standing up for everyone else. And I mean, you got Corey Perry in there too, but you do have someone on the on the back end who's not afraid to step up for the team. And they got Shanny too. I also got Shanny. Department player safety, Shanny. <laughs> so the team can basically uh, score on you and, uh, and, and beat you up too. So great combination, huh? I mean, if you are on it, it's great. If you're playing against it, wouldn't recommend. Yeah, sounds painful either way. And then as far as their goaltendings do, you want to tell me a bit about that? Yes, yeah, sure. So in that, um, Steve Mason, it's been, it's been okay, been fine. Um, and then uh, they've got a, they've had a nice surprise from um, Michael Hauser in the, in the backup role. Uh, is not playing uh, a ton, ton, but uh, has a, a nice little, nice little season going for himself. Awesome. Evan, you want to start us off talking about Sarnia? Oh, so uh, Sarnia, how do I describe this? Uh, offense is the way. Offense is key. Uh, they have the third best power play in the league at 28.7%. And, uh, you know, so that was a big surprise for me because I did put this in my bottom five. They somehow have the sixth best PK in the league. What? Oh, I don't know how the heck that's happened. Um, that's I'll give of- you two. I'll give you two words. Go ahead. Doug Gilmore. I'll give you one, Stu. Killer. <laughs> I like it. All right, all right. Um, Riley, you want to tell us about that uh, elite top line they have going there in Sarnia? Boy, do I. So starting it off, you got Steven Stamkos leading the way with 25 goals, 47 points in 32 games, which puts him one point behind Patrick Kane. So without the injury there, you could see uh, Steven Stamkos taking over. He does have two games. Uh, he has played two more games than Patrick Kane at this point. So, and I believe half. I believe Stammer leads the league in goals. That is correct. Stammer does lead the league in goals. So we don't see anyone. No one's having an incredible goal scoring tear leading into Christmas, but could still take off yet. And then you got Doug Gilmore still above point a game playing with him, and Jordan Cairo with twenty eight and thirty two. So that whole top line is hovering right around the point of game mark, really pushing the way. And then Stu, you wouldn't say they're lacking depth scoring, would you? But it's not necessarily the names you would have thought of. Well, it's a, yeah, it's interesting. It's been interesting. They're getting uh, some nice scoring from uh, former first overall pick, Neil Yakupov. Uh, he's got 24 points in 32 games. Uh, some good production from Pavel Zakat, Scott O'Neill, Adam Ruzika. They're getting uh, some solid, solid depth scoring, uh, which I think is like the obviously that, that top line is sort of the engine that keeps this team going, but. Uh, the the depth is probably the reason that they're up at up at number three rather than be somewhere further down the league. And then on the back end, we're seeing Schneider play like a true number one with having 22 points in 32 games. And 
His partner. You want to tell me a bit about him, Stu? So his partner is uh, the soon-to-be traded in the NHL, uh, Jacob Chikrin, who's been struggling to produce this year. Uh, he's shooting very low, um, but he's also taking 4.3 shots a game. I think his, his shooting percentage was sub-5%, uh, I believe. Yeah, and his so, career is somewhere around seven and a half five or seven and a half to so it, you look the the just just from the sheer numbers you'd expect him to to have some some bounce back here uh but again because we're playing this and we're doing this in one season if uh you have one sort of dinker of a season that sucks because <laughs> uh it's your one shot at it for sure, but I could say that he could be a candidate to break out moving forward just because he has the numbers on his side, that his shooting percentage should come up. Uh, if the shots maintain, you should see more goal scoring. But on top of that, it doesn't seem to be hurting them just having a guy in the back end that's willing to throw it in for, for the rest of their forwards to work at it, I guess. And then, Stu, you want to tell me a bit about their goaltending? So Rick Tabarachi is uh, well, gotta, killing it. I got to pause you right uh, there. His name alone, delightful. <laughs> uh well he's got a 919 in 22 games um and he is facing the sixth most shots in the league so uh he's playing very very well uh despite not perhaps getting the most help that he could guys can i say one thing he's playing way better than he should he's a 78 overall goalie yep. he's, 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 overall goalie. he is the definition of goaltending as voodoo so with that in mind evan i want to ask you this question do you think that having one of the best offense in the league having that crazy good top six is going to be sustainable while taking the six most shots in the playoffs do you think that's a like something they should worry about or do you think they can blow their competition out enough to make it through i think in this regular season so far i think if they continue for about another 10 games to put up similar totals that they've been putting up i think the rest of the way they can kind of coast into the playoffs um they've been you know basically because they've sustained uh, a like cushion in, in, the, in the standings for themselves. But I think moving forward in the playoffs, it definitely will be an issue if they do not like uh, clamp down on their play, really like shot block and disrupt lanes. I think that's really going to be an issue for them. Otherwise, you know, they, they need uh, their uh, good old 78 overall goalie, Rick Tavernacci, to just carry them, which is just really odd when, you know, they have that offense that they do. So I don't know. We'll see. You want to take us into Guelph? Yeah, let's go. So Guelph, the Guelph Storm, the fourth best team in the leagues at, at this uh, check-in for us. Um, so a couple notable things for them. They have the second best record in the league at 14-4. and four. Notable things about their special teams, they have the seventh best PK in the league, um, but they also have the seventh worst power play in the league. So interesting there for a top team in the league. And uh, Riley, do you want to tell us about you know some of their key pieces on their team? Well, most notably was probably Drew Doughty is definitely in the race for the Norris with his 24 assists in 32 games played. That alone puts him into the race. And he's also been really good defensively for them, really shutting plays down. So he is carrying their, their back end completely. But that's not to say that he's alone in keeping the pucks out of the net. Stu, you want to tell us a bit about uh, what's going on in their net? Well, Craig Anderson 
uh, is certainly walking himself into Vesna contention. Um, and I don't know the way that this team, like obviously Tavarachi's the the over the overperforming, but uh, Anderson's got he's got an identical nine nineteen save percentage. Uh, is has five shutouts, and he's facing the third most shots against. So uh, Craig Great and Rick Tabaracci are sort of two goalies that are, are killing it while facing a lot of shots. And uh, while you're talking about Drew Doughty, I think he's sort of a, a good just sort of like example for how the whole team is doing um, because they've got sort of an above-average offense with three goals per game. Uh, and then top end defensive uh, no, metrics here with 2.28 uh, goals against per game. And I think that that just sort of talks to Drew Doughty really well um, because he's been helpful and productive offensively and obviously still been pretty darn good defensively uh, with how much he's playing this year and sort of being the, the number one horse for the Guelph Storm. So, Stu, if I had to ask you right now, if you were to match up Guelph versus Sarnia in the playoffs, you have your defensive-minded team versus your offensive-only. Do you think that could be a matchup where it could either go one way or another in a complete sweep? My pick, I think, would be Guelph. But um, going either way as a sweep because of how polarizing they are on either end of the ice? I don't know about a sweep. I think that they'd be too, they'd be a tight, it'd be a tight series, but I think I'd pick Guelph probably six or seven. Evan, you want to wrap up our top five here with Kitchener? Yep. All right. So Kitchener is this weird hybrid mix that we have going. So a little bit about their special teams. The sixth best power play in the league and the eighth best power play or penalty kill, sorry, in the league, um, as well as the best home record in the league. So uh, taking that away from... Hey. Uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and the London Knights. Uh, rocking they a- love playing at the odd. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they have a 12-3-2 home record. And uh, Riley, do you want to tell our listeners a bit about uh, some of their leading uh, scorers and players on their team? Yeah, so we got Don Maloney leading the team in points, which if that doesn't tell you right away, they are a depth-heavy team. Landis Gog's been a bit of a disappointment with only 18 points in 30 games, while the rest of his line is point per game. Their third line is going off. In my opinion, Kadri should be winning the most efficient award or whatever you want to call it, because this guy has... 32 points equal split in 30 games. So he's got eight, uh, 16 goals and 16 assists with only playing 1649, which is top end third minutes, third line minutes with a plus 15. So that is really efficient offensively and defensively. And if I don't, if I recall correctly, his takeaway giveaways were heavily in the takeaway factor. So look for him to maybe win, maybe win a Selkie, maybe, I'm, I'm not totally sure, but their depth just runs you over line after line. It's awesome to see. Do you want to tell us a bit about their defense? Sure. On defense, the Kitchener Rangers uh, have perhaps one of the top, one of the best top, no. What am I saying? Who am I kidding? It's the best top pair in the league. Al McGinnis tied for tops among uh, D scoring. Uh, Scott Stevens chipping 18 points in 30 games. Uh, the rest are doing okay as well. Uh, Scott Stevens getting into uh, some of that kung fu fighting action, uh with 10 fights. 
as well. Um, but uh, obviously, when you've got a pair like Al McGinnis and Scott Stevens, that's uh, pretty darn helpful. Yeah, I'd say so. And I think it, it's really helped having them on the back end really shutting down opportunities to the other team. And that's led to their above average offense. They're not killing it with uh, 3.33 goals per game. But I think if you're controlling the puck more, if you're making a lot of turnovers and controlling the puck, that's going to lead to offense. Oh. Want to wrap us up, Stu, with talking about the goaltending? Sure. I wanted to give a little fun fact uh, for those who might not be as familiar with uh, Don Maloney. He went from the Kitchener Rangers to the New York Rangers, where he played a fairly long time, then played one season for Hartford, and then stayed in New York, but went to the Islanders. <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, was drafted in the second round, 26th overall. What year do you know? Uh, that would have been in 1978. Uh, anywho, uh, John Gibson is doing what everyone remembers he could do. Uh, his coach should probably play him more. 31% of his wins, uh, as it stands right now, are shutouts. He's got four shutouts. Uh, 930, 204 GAA. Uh, John Gibson has entered the Vezina chat, but, uh, I think he'll have to actually play more in the second half to uh, compete with Van Beesbrook. And that wraps up our top five. Uh, just as a brief recap, we have Sue, then we have London, Sarnia, Guelph, and then Kishner. So next we're going to talk about the bottom five. Evan, you want to start us off with who's number one in the bottom five? Yep. So the worst team in our OHL all-time league is the Renton Bay, or Brampton North Bay Battalion. Um, no surprise here. We have we all had them in our bottom five. Uh, but it's uh, it's been an ugly season so far for this team. They are rocking a negative 28 goal differential. Um, so yikes. And um, Riley, do you want to, uh, you know, mention that appalling stat line we discovered on this team? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I love it. So their starting goaltender, uh, Tom McCollum, has more points than six of the players on their team. And he has three assists. For a goalie. He does lead goalies in points, which is very impressive, so good for him. But with three assists, he leads more than six other players on his team. Stu, you want to tell us some other uh, storylines going on with Brampton? Yeah, so, uh, well, they're, they're, uh, as we kind of predicted at the at the start of the season, uh, this team is largely Brent Burns and Matt Duchesne. Well, Burns is... Uh, probably in the Norris conversation, uh, and I said he should uh, be in contention for the best defenseman in the league on a real bad team, also known as the uh, Eric Carlson Award. Man, we're taking a lot of cheap shots at Eric Carlson. Who are we, Matt Cook? <laughs> Who does he play for? <laughs> oh my gosh. He's somewhere in this league. All right. He is? Uh, and then next up, Evan? Uh, okay, yeah. We have the uh, Detroit um, CompuWare. Uh, they're and just that. CompuWare what? CompuWare what? Ambassadors. Yeah, CompuWare Ambassadors. Sorry, I'm going to get flamed for Thank that you. one. Um, but uh, so you thought that negative 28 gold differential was bad. So I have for you the worst negative gold differential in the entire league. Uh, Detroit rocking a negative 51 gold differential. 4.03 goals against per game. My 
goodness. This team cannot out. keep the puck out of the net, uh, whether they mean to or not. It is a disaster there. Defense, defense are literally pylons. Um, guys, you want to kind of uh, talk about whoever the yeah. shining light is on that team? Uh, if you can call it that, the one sort of storyline coming out of it is JT Miller. I'll let that sit for you one sec, because you'll see why. He's fourth in the league for hits, which is a giant surprise, and he's 60% in the draw, which are just two numbers that you would not expect out of JT Miller, but it, I guess I, it hasn't really mattered. Now, him being on the team with the highest goal differential, that is a stat that I could see having a lot of correlation. <laughs> well, and I wanted to put a little put a little context on the on the draws because I think he is playing primarily as a winger. Um, I do remember his his overall draws weren't that high when you were looking at um some other like overall in terms of total number taken. Um, wasn't it was that, that high? Range. Yeah, it was in that range of like a a third line center kind of thing because he does yeah. a lot of draws on special teams yeah but yeah so it's sort of like relative to his minutes you're like um i don't think he's playing center full-time <laughs> so yeah. just uh t- to take that into consideration with his 60 percent in the face off top and then evan did you have something else to add Oh, well, I mean, you know, one could say it's poetic. Uh, You know, he's probably hitting a a shitload just because he's probably really angry at his situation. Um, Not too far off from uh, what we see in real life with him on the Canucks. So um, you're saying this team needs to hire Rich Tockett. Yeah, Rick Tockett. Yeah, I mean, you know, like JT Miller just can't catch a break in real life, nor in our... uh, all-time OHL league, so no oh, luck to him. And then who, who, who do we have up next for the uh, the bottom of the basement? Oh, the Number bottom three. of the basement—that's a good way to put it, Riley. Um, so next up on our list, the third worst team in our league is or are the Sudbury Wolves. All right, so again, another beautiful negative thirty-five goal differential for the Sudbury Wolves, and um, the other part of it is that uh. Mike Smith's poor Mike Smith is uh, getting lit up. Uh, the, the team has a 3.57 goals against per game. So, man, I just feel bad for this guy. Guys, you want to? He's getting sad buried. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, my next one, my next entry, Stu, talking about Sudbury is not going to be as nice. But you could say that it's better than a kick in the head. Uh, Akeem points <laughs> has 17 points in 30 games as a defenseman, which is... Definitely the bright spot of Sudbury. And then, Stu, you want to wrap us up on Sudbury? Sure. The Felinos aren't cutting it. Uh, yeah. I think I, I seem to remember Mike's, Mike's the, the most senior is uh, is doing okay, um, but they kind of need him to be a step above where he is, and they need Nick to be a step above where he is, and Marcus to be a step above where he is. So... They're not getting enough out of the family connection. Who knew that the Felinos aren't three franchise players? That's that's news to me. All uh, all really really good complimentary pieces. Nice guys to have in your lineup when you're uh, a competitive playoff team. Sudbury ain't it. They're also great when you uh, when you have scandalous signings. Moving forward, uh, next we have Belleville. Evan, take us away on Belleville. All right, so uh, Belleville, fourth worst on this list. They actually have the uh, best 
negative goal differential. As weird as that sound, it's the least worst ne- uh, negative goal differential on this list of five, this bottom five. Uh, negative 17 goal differential. Um, but interestingly enough, they're, they have a 3.7 goals against per game. So that is higher than... Um, and then Brampton as well as Sudbury. So interesting there. Riley, do you wanna you wanna talk about the the bright spot on this team? Because I you know, I know that you we have a bet going with him for you. Yeah. So I will talk about that. So Jonathan Tichu is really trying his ass off. Like this guy has 35 points in 30 games. And our bet is who's gonna have or who's gonna win the rocket between Chichu and Nash. Looks like it's gonna be neither of them, so that bet's gonna be void. But as far as the uh, as far as the you know who's who knows better than who, I'm looking a lot better with Chichu right now. But also up front, uh, Kyle Wellwood's doing pretty well with 24 points, 30 games. So is Matt Stajan. Go Leafs, go on that point. So Stu, you want to wrap this up with talking about the D? Well, I was I was just gonna say if uh, if you're like me and you grew up watching the uh, Wellwood stage in era of Leafs hockey, well, they're doing pretty good for themselves in Belleville right now. Uh, anywho, uh, we talked about a family connection in the uh, the last segment about Sedbury. So in Belleville, the uh, family connection is the Subans. PK is doing some PK things as the uh, top uh, point producer on their back end. But his uh, his little brother Jordan has uh, 14 points in 32 games playing on the bottom pair. Uh, and they're really the only D that are going points-wise. Uh, but uh, the uh, Subban brothers on defense uh, are not giving much help to... Uh, Subban Malcolm in net, who's won two games in 15 starts with an 890. Yeah, I think it's time to to maybe hope for a Zamboni driver to come out and help him out. Oof. Maybe so, something uh, uh, Lee's fans are familiar with. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, that there's no more that needs to be said there. Next up, we got Niagara. Evan, take us away. All right, so Niagara is the fifth worst team in our league, um, rocking a negative. 29 goal differential and a 3.53 goals against per game. So again, just the running pattern of all these teams, they suck at defense. They cannot keep the puck out of their net. That continue that trend continues here with Niagara. Riley, do you want to uh, take it away here? Talking about uh, their D and maybe other players in their lineup. Uh, I think I'll leave D to Stu. So I'm going to start off with talking about Phil Tomasito, Rob Shrimp how they should be on the top line. Both those guys are currently playing on their third line and second line, respectively, uh, with Tomasito on the third, Shrimp on the second line. And they're both carrying their lines and really should be utilized more and getting more minutes. Their coaching seems to really be what's holding them back and the reason why they're a bottom team. Not saying that they could turn it around and become a top team, but they could be a heck of a lot better. And because their coach is misusing these guys, they're not playing them the right minutes and it's just showing through. Do you want to tell us a bit about what's going on in their back end? Sure. Well, so they've got Alex Petrangelo, who's chugging away at a point per game. Uh, he also has the fourth most blocked shots for defensemen. Ben Jones is uh, hot as a goal scorer. Uh, we'll see. I believe he has seven. I think he has seven goals. Six, six or seven goals. Can he score ten? They've got one of the best sort of second pairs in the league. And... Uh, Shout out to Jesus. 
uh, who I believe is still, uh, or sorry, was uh, was blocking the most shots earlier on in the league. Uh, no, the- no, at this point, he's blocking the most shots in the league. Oh, most blocked shots in the league for David Jesus. You gotta um, say, Jesus really just stands up there like on his auto crucifix, just taking it all. Uh, he will not let those nails bring him down. Um, oh boy so uh the the probably the biggest issue uh for this team is they only have one goal that's jeremy smith and he's out till february yeah so good luck with that (laughs) so even though i said that their coach is not playing guys the best doesn't seem like they're going to be able to go very far without a goalie because you know what they say goalies can often be the reason why you win games and can definitely be the reason why you lose games so evan you want to give us a bit of a, a snapshot from some of the from each of the conferences maybe some things that weren't talked about so far uh yeah sure so i'll start in the western conference one interesting thing that really stood out to to us when we were looking at at each conference was that uh only Detroit and uh, Belleville are actually under 500. The rest of their conference is above 500 or above 500. Um, so those two teams are really like, well, how should I say this? The uh, teams that the that the other teams take behind the barn and shoot in the head repeatedly. That's pretty much what's happening to these poor teams. And uh, fortunately for them at this point, uh, playoffs are looking like they're decided. And Detroit and Belleville will not be making the playoffs. And uh, also, shout out to uh, the Kingston Frontenacs because uh, you know my two other uh, co-hosts on this on this show are from Kingston. So uh, yeah, Kingston's an op- offensive juggernaut. Um, I did give them some love, but uh, they have a thirty-one percent power play, so they are killing it on the offensive ends of things. You love to hear that, boys. You really do. You really do. You want to keep us going with the uh, Eastern Conference? Uh, Yes, sir. All right. So we have uh, four teams below 500. Ottawa is actually, uh, the Ottawa 67s are actually at 500, which is really surprising considering um, they were in our discussions um, for uh, top five teams in the league when we were ranking and giving our top fives. Um, And uh, Stu, do you want to maybe... uh, a voice a little bit of uh, your opinion on the 67s sure well uh, as as you just, you sort of said they they were a team that uh, i had in my top five but with riley had in his top five uh and they've just been disappointing they're sitting at 500 they are probably gonna get a playoff spot but they're not nearly as good or as dominant as i thought they could be all right right on um and a couple other things that we noted was that oh interesting okay so uh the Sudbury Wolves could beat out Niagara Niagara which is actually the in our bottom five or in the bottom five for a league uh, Niagara so Niagara and Sudbury are actually battling for the uh was it last playoff spot in the east so uh, very interesting kind of things going on there and uh the last thing of note is that uh Guelph is uh 14 and 4 on the road so gonna a great road record but only seven, four, and two at home. And to give context here, Guelph is ranked currently as the fourth best team in the league. So, um, kind of some weird, interesting uh, stats there. So that might really uh, carry over to the playoffs for them and 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 hurt them in the long run. I mean, the good news for them is if they keep about where they are in the standings, they're going to be pl- not having home ice advantage, and maybe that's their true advantage. Interesting take right there. Interesting take. Next, uh, 
Oh, Stu, do you have anything you want to say on the just kind of the conference snapshots, or do you want to move on to the player stats? I'm okay to uh, to move on to uh, some player stat discussion. So I'll start off by saying we got a bit of an open race for the Norris. Uh, some the main candidates are Coffee, Subban, Burns, Petrangelo, Al McInnes, who is wiring everything he can and is tied with Coffee and goals. And then Stu, you want to talk to us a bit about the uh, the Art, Ra- Art Ross race? Sure. So it's uh, kind of a two horse race here between Patrick Kane and Steven Stamkos. Uh, as we mentioned, Kane's got 48 points in 30 games. Uh, he's currently injured. He'll be back soon. Uh, and then Stammer has 47 points in 32 games. 25 of those are goals. And he's shooting a ton uh, and shooting at 22.6%. Um, but I think that uh, those are sort of the, the top two. And then there's sort of a, another another group behind them. But uh, it's sort of a two-horse race right now as as we sit at Christmas. And Evan, you want to take us through the, uh, the Selkie race? Yeah, so uh, we have four different players here, but there are two players really um, leading the conversation for the Selkie. Um, we have... The great one himself, Warren Gretzky, um, rocking the best takeaway giveaway ratio in the league at a 59 to 12 ratio, plus 47 on takeaways. Um, similarly, you have Steve Eiserman doing um, similar things like Gretzky and putting up points too. Um, and in some honorable mentions here, go out to Kirk Muller and Doug Jarvis, which are um, both those players are doing excellent things for both of their teams. Um, strong giveaway takeaway ratios. Um, and also while putting on points for their respective teams. So uh, those two are definitely in the conversation for the Selkie. And then this has to be one of my absolute, absolute favorite storylines of the entirety of this sim. At Christmas, there are 17 players with over 10 fights to their name. That really is living, really living up to that old OHL. Uh, that Stereotype? OH- yeah, the stereotype of the tough league, the tough junior league. Yeah, for sure. You have the pretty game out in Quebec. You got the hard-nosed game in W, but you got the O-show. You got the fists of flying going on in the OHL. Uh, and then next up, we wanted to talk a little bit about the best duos we're seeing. So that's a pair of guys on the same team. So I'll let uh, Evan, you want to start us off with our number one duo? Yeah, so the number one duo in our league. Is I guess Steven Stamkos and Dougie Gilmore. Um, so these two guys are absolutely killing it, carrying that Sarnia team, which I completely underestimated. Um, combining for 34 goals, 51 assists, and 85 points in only 32 games. Also, Stammer is leading the league in goals, so big part of that goal contribution total. You want to tell us about the next up team and why it's kind of interesting the way it's going? Sure. So the the next up one would be uh, a certain fella named Connor McJesus. Um, and his partner in crime is uh, Alex Debrinkat. They've combined for 37 goals, 44 assists, and 81 points. Uh, just, just a little bit shy of uh, Stammer and Gilmore's production. Um, and this is like it's not it's it's surprising you know in a, in a way that it's Alex Debrinkit and McJesus, but uh, if you look at the, the the talent from both of those guys, there it's it's obvious that they should be up there. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's definitely the speed demon effect of the two of them, because they're both known for their wheels. And then next up, we have Kingston's duo of Tim Kerr and Jason Robertson, who are combined for 24 goals, 49 assists, for 73 points in only 28 games. So, you know, they could score 12 points between the two of them in four games, right? They'll make that catch up to first, right? I don't know. Some of the some of the scores in this league, and it's uh, it's not too far out of that question. And then the uh, the last honorable mention is Shifley and Shvenshnikov, who without those two, the the Colts would probably be the worst, one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst. So shout out to those two, the Shif and Shvench combo. Hopefully, they could maybe help the Colts do better in going into the playoffs. And then we just had a little bit of a wrap-up talking about some of the other teams that we didn't really get to, but have some other storylines going for them. So, Evan, you want to talk about Oshawa? Yes, sir. All right. So, with Oshawa uh, headlining their team, um, they did have a 94 overall Eric Lindros. Um, uh, but but you know what the story is here this season so far is that he sucks. Um, the guy only has five goals. Five goals! And 17 points in 29 games. But it's really the goals. The, the, the lack of goal scoring, him being their, their top-rated um, player, is really appalling. Five goals in 29 games is uh, no... Uh, yeah, it's just not cutting it. And uh, he also has no power play production, just to really add to the uh, sob story that is uh, Lynn Ross's season so far. And you know what? The, the guy that I don't think any of us were expecting... Uh, Jason Arnett in their top six is leading their team 25 points in 29 games. So a below point in game kind of tells you the story of this team, offensively speaking. And uh, Riley, do you want to deliver a line here that I think we all agree with about this team's offense? Stars need to wake up. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Stu, do you want to maybe talk about their fourth liners? Because this is embarrassing for this team. Well, I mean, good for their fourth liners, but... Yeah, their fourth liners are doing well. Yes, well, they've got Stefan Yell and Scott Lawton, who each have 13 points in 29 games, which, like, if if the rest of their team could produce, you'd, you're happy with that. Um, but without anybody producing, it's like, hey, we've got two fourth liners with 26 points, but nobody else can do anything. Um, so that's uh, not very helpful for them. Uh, also, an- another little thorn in their side is they've given up five shorthanded goals. Oh, uh, yikes. That can't be good. No, it really can't be having that. But yeah, then you have Paul Ranger and Michael Delzato. Interesting. Fighting uh, for the team lead in D. And their goalies are playing well. Two shoutouts for each goalie, Kirk McLean with a 917 and Jeff Hackett with a 911. So you got a team save percentage there of a 914. So do look for them to maybe be a danger if Eric Lindros can just wake up. So next up, we got uh, Mississauga, who they're beating the shit out of teams till they win. Probably co- uh, coached by Torts. John Tortorella, for the record. We'll see. So, uh, Stu, you want to start us off with the main storylines of Mississauga? The main storyline for Mississauga is a little ball of fire by the name of Michael Haley, uh, who has 100 penalty minutes in 28 games. No, okay. If I'm being real, their their storyline is Alex Nylander. Low-key is, is chipping uh, with 14 points in 28 games. And then, uh, Evan, you want to tell us a bit about their D? Well, on their D, the one and only exceptional player, John Day, 
or you could say he's low-key exceptional on this decor, which is uh, kind of telling you a lot because uh, he suck. Um, and uh, Riley, do you want to maybe um, talk about uh, their goaltending a bit here? Yeah, Peter Brudai is really trying, but I gotta say, poor Spencer, man. In eight games, he has no wins. But the stat pads, he's statting the pads by coming in in garbage time after Budai gets blown out because his forwards can't do much. And because he does rock a 908, so his numbers look good, but he just can't win. And it's really tough to see. And Stu, you want to start us off talking about these Ottawa disappointing 67s? Oh, these Ottawa 67s. So Gary Roberts is not disappointing. Uh, He's got 33 points in 31 games. Um, they're getting sort of okay production um, in their top six. Uh, Travis Konechny stinks, though, and he's not playing even like, and he's not even playing that much, but he still stinks. And, and I'll pass it back to you, Riley, to talk about this next fella because I feel like you have a certain affinity for him. Well, and that would be this is the man, Doug Wilson, who has transcended just the playing game into being one of the best general managers if you ask me and the reason why he's one of the best general managers is he's a guy who is willing to push for the fences reach for the stars trade for stars because he is one with 21 points in 31 games doug wilson is still doing doug wilson thing so you don't gotta worry about that evan that's all i gotta say about it tell us about peterborough all right um peterborough is just an anomaly in this league i just Oh, and then I'm going to have fun ripping into this team, and I think you guys are too. But, I mean, I don't understand how you can be sixth place. You're the sixth best team in the league, yet you're the worst power play in the league. Anyone want to guess what their freaking power play percentage is? Um, I unfortunately have it written in front of me. Ah, all right, well, do us a favor and read it out loud because it's bloody embarrassing. 12.5%. Yeah, in other words, you suck. They're worse than the actually. Well, I don't. I was going to say they're worse than the Habs power play, but actually they are because the Habs recently have actually been winning. We're on three game winning streak in real life, and our power play is actually going off. Actually, our second. Which, did you did you see what Legault had to say about that? I did not. What did what did he, he had an interview where he's walking out of a meeting and he's speaking to the media like directly, like he wasn't asked a question, and he goes in French. So I'm going to tr- paraphrase. He goes like, "Oh, do you see the Habs are on a three game winning streak? It's got to stop. I want that Bedard kid." Uh, yeah, <laughs> Gary Bettman, you take that. Hey, if the premier of uh, Quebec wants the Habs to tank, you ain't you ain't stopping that, all right? You ain't stopping that. All right, well, yeah. getting back on track. Um, yeah, they're a good team, but their power play sucks, so that's kind of weird. And, uh, I mean, well, I mean, they're good probably because they have a, 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 a player called, uh, you know, uh, named uh, Steve Eiserman, who's uh, carrying their team. Uh, 18 goals. That's uh, tied for fifth most in the league, and uh, he also has uh, 34 points, 32 games, so above point a game there as well. And um, like we were talking about before, this man is uh, deeply in the race for the Selkie Trophy. Um, but uh, guys, guys, we need to dig into this power play more and why it sucks. So Stu O'Reilly, please start going getting into that because our our listeners really need to know what like like what. What you have Steve Eiserman out there? How are you messing it up? I think it's it's very funny that um one of the greatest OHL franchises for producing coaches, uh Scotty Bowman, uh Roger Nielsen, uh as as examples, 
Their coach is incompetent. They've got Mike Ricci as a distributor on the power play. Are you are you insane? Like it it makes no sense. Uh, absolutely no sense. And no, I just want to stand up for something. Sometimes you could do something that doesn't make sense and it works. It just works. But in this case, it's not. Change it, you morons. Please. Yeah. All right, boys. Let me let me also let me also say this real quick to the to the listeners. Okay, this is who else they have on this top power play unit. Okay, who they could literally put anyone else but Mike Ritzy as as distributor. Okay, they have Steve Eiserman, have Chris Pronger, have Eric Stahl, and they have Larry Murphy. They could gone with any one of those other guys. What does the coach decide to do? Nah, he goes and chooses. The guy that none of us would choose. I don't understand. Yeah, I think him to be your net front presence, not exactly. your distributor. Exactly, exactly. I really do not understand this, guys. And the other issues in Peterborough are they lack some depth scoring and they have no real scoring on the back end. And then, Stu, what the hell's going on with their goaltending? Another piece of incompetence from their coaching. Um, well, so poor Ron Tugnet is he's trying his best. Like he's got a nine sixteen, it's a nine, and then a, a two four two uh, GAA, uh, playing in a rubber factory. Most shots faced in the league. Uh, backup goalie and Peterborough fan favorite Dylan Wells is just not an NHL goalie, and I think we all sort of knew that. But in this in this league full of players at their NHL peaks, he's not having a good time, and. They have Greg Millen, who is better than Wells, and just is not playing at all. Like, maybe give Greg a chance here? Poor Greg. Poor, poor Greg. And then we're going to talk next about uh, Saginaw. Stu, you want to start us off with Saginaw? No, you start with Saginaw. They were kind of your, uh, your little, right. uh, maybe, uh, your, you, they were your, your sweetheart team, so okay. you take them. So I want to say that Mike Gardner is going off with 21 goals in 32 games. One of the top goal scorers in the league. As we heard, Stammer's got 25 to lead the league. So having 21 is pretty good. You got Larmer popping off. Their whole top line's going off. Kind of their only hope being led by that top line. Uh, but I will say Wolf Payment needs a little bit of help. He's got 11 goals and 18 points in 30 games. His line mates all have 30 or 13 or less points in 30 games. So that's tough. Uh, but Steve Ludzik might be the best fourth line in the league with 17 points in 32 games, only playing 12-16, only has 18 penalty minutes, and he has a shorthanded goal. Um, and then on top of that, we got the Hatcher brothers playing well together with Kevin with 20, Darian with 12. The Alexiak Montador pair are playing well, which is not really that shocking. That sounds like absolute hell to deal with imagine trying to be the net like trying to be in front of the net with those two with the guys clearing you out well, and then you got an injury history before that you definitely will afterward yeah exactly and then uh you got the goaltending putting up a wall with a 915 team save percentage misa is struggling on the second line with five goals and eight points in 13 games 15 percent shooting though so maybe if he gets the shots up and he could still grow throughout the season here and 13 and 30 isn't bad. It's just doing it from the second line is kind of tough. Hey, he's only 15. Come on. Yeah, he's only 15. I'm not trying to harp on the guy. Just maybe the coach should move him away from those top six minutes. Hard to know. Uh, 
And then, Stu, you want to finish us up with the Kingston Report? All right, welcome to the Kingston Report. I thought that was the OT zone. Anyway. for that, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Kingston Report. Uh, so Tim Kerr and uh, Jay Rab. Uh, Jason Robertson. Uh, we talked about a little bit earlier as one of the top duos in the league, and they've got Chris Stewart sort of playing a, a Zach Hyman type role uh, on that that line. Um, but one of the big takeaways I had watch uh, going through the stats on this lineup: Tony McKegney. What a ball of fire! This guy is—he's forty-one hits and he's got twenty-six points in twenty-eight games, including ten goals. Got a plus four giveaway takeaway, uh, and it's just sort of the engine, the engine a bit with uh, Bernie Nichols for that uh, that second line, but mostly Bernie's doing his point production um, on the power play with fourteen of them. Kenny Lindsman, the Raps chipping, and for this team, Riley, what's their key? Depth is clutch. So you got Anthony Stewart contributing from the fourth blend. He's contributing more than his brother, but his brother is doing that Zach Hyman role. He's got the hits, he's got the takeaway giveaways. So they're, they're really saying, Chris, you do whatever you can to make Tim Kerr and J-Rob do what they need to do. But going back to Anthony Stewart, he's got nine goals, 15 points in 28 games, only averaging 10.39. So not really playing much. Um, and then you got Phil Bork playing from the third pair, has nine goals, 19 points in 28 games, giving you a nine uh, with nine uh, power play points. And with him beside him, you got Erica Branson for the best third pair in the league. So you may be overpaying it, but it seems to be paying off. And they really like to roll all four lines. Their third line's the only one underperforming, but... Usually, if you're if you got your top six rolling and one of your bottom six lines rolling, that's okay. And then, as mentioned earlier, Evan, you want to tell us, remind the listeners of their elite special teams. Yes. And then their goaltending. You can finish us off with the goaltending. All right. All right. Thanks. Um, so Kingston, as we mentioned before, second best power play in the league, thirty at least thirty one point two percent. So that is elite, and they are tied for the second best penalty kill in the league. Um, yeah, Kingston's just whoever their power play coaches are. Um, I think Peterborough needs to go like hijack whoever those coaches are and just like steal them from them or just or just copy exactly whatever the heck they're doing and apply it with their team because uh, I think they need a little bit of that and move it away from incompetence to uh, to to uh, actually some genius here that's going on in Kingston on the special teams and then uh, in terms of the goaltending in Kingston, um, Andrew Roycroft's been uh, meh. He's been okay. Um, Annie Taylor, their backup has uh, two shutouts, but um, from basically what I'm saying, he's not necessarily the reason why they're winning um, because clearly their special teams and their offense is just lighting the way for this Kingston Proud next team. So uh, that is all we have for you today on the O Show. Thank you so much for listening in. We uh, are setting up an Instagram in the midst of it. Maybe by the time this podcast is out, it'll be out. Uh, it's the Real Housewives Hockey, all one word. Um, we're going to be posting all these rosters so you can take a look at them and uh, please interact with us. Send us messages. Let us know what you think. Comment on it. If you think like, oh, this is my favorite team. Tell us why. Tell us if your favorite players on a team. Tell us if you have a cousin who knew Ray Croft or whatever. We want to hear about it. These stories are fun. So please feel free and give it a follow. 
that's all I have for you today. I'm Riley Miller Davis. I'm With Evan me, I have. And um Stu, thanks for listening and make sure you uh you tune in when uh when we come back for the next episode at our uh, next check-in point. Go, go. One, two, three, four. No. I'm sitting in this with you. Just trying to get my head from I'm sitting in this quiet place with you. I'm just trying to get my head Thanks, baby.